everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pellicone. You are listening to episode seven of the Spin Chagrin, and last week's category was monkey doing human things, people things, people things. Okay. All right. So this is such an odd category. Um, what did you come up with? Well, so this category was really the almost the genesis point for the spin chagrin in general when i sent you the list i think this was one of the first like couple categories that i came up with um and honestly i had no idea what i was going to watch because i've seen a lot of movies with monkeys like acting like people um both good and bad in my life um so the first choice that i came to was this uh, i think italian movie from the 50s the 60s maybe called bingo bingo bongo um, which is a Tarzan ripoff, but apparently had some monkey antics in it. Mm. But the only copy I could find was on YouTube, and it was untranslated um, and really low quality. So I sat through about 10 minutes thinking, like, oh, maybe that'd be funny where I could just kind of describe what was happening and sort of give, like, broad stroke impressions of what the story is. But I, I couldn't do it. Like, Was it, the was it, freaking, was it a chimpanzee in that movie or orangutan? Like, what, I like, think it's what, an orangutan. I don't know. Is, it never got to the monkey part. Could you tell if its name was Bingo Bongo? No, no, no. The, the Tarzan dude was Bingo Bongo. Oh, okay. okay. He just he just had, like, some, some animal acquaintances. Gotcha. Um, so that was a failure. All right. So in my searches... I came upon a movie that I had never seen and had completely forgotten existed um, for good reason, I think. Uh, and that movie is Ed from Ed. 1996. It is a... Ed, I remember loosely, not Ed. No, no, no. The, loosely defined as an American sports comedy film um, starring Matt LeBlanc oh, in the height, of his, the height of his friend's popularity. <laughs> um... I remember and that. and a little person in a uh, chimpanzee costume, um, playing ch- playing a chimpanzee named Ed. Holy shit! Yeah, they put a little and, person in the suit. Oh, we'll get to that, man. Let me <laughs> let me just build to it. So, this movie is free on stars if you choose to debase yourself um, to that level. Uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to undersell it. So we'll we'll work up to it. So, basic premise of Ed is Matt LeBlanc is a corn-fed country boy who's got a rocket arm that's being courted by a major league team. They want to sign him, so they come out and they watch him pitch, and he's throwing like hundred and ten mile an hour fastballs or some ridiculous nonsense. Yeah. So they sign him, but then he can't really control his pitches, so he's sent to their minor league team. Um, to kind of refine his refine his act. So he's got a season, basically, of minor league where he's supposed to get himself under control. Mm-hmm. Matt LeBlanc is <clears throat> very much suited to one role, I think, and that role is Joey on Friends. So that's pretty much what you're getting here is Joey. Right. Um, so LeBlanc sucks. <clears throat> he can't, like, do anything but throw fastballs his curveball is like easily hittable so he's all depressed and doesn't know what he's going to do but they've already invested this money in him so they want to keep him around so subplot one is the owner of the major league team's son is 
the manager of the minor league team. Like he's their business manager, basically. Um, so he's in charge of generating revenue and ticket sales and whatever. So his idea to improve attendance at these games, because the team's not very good, is to buy Mickey Mantle's pet chimpanzee mm. after Mickey Mantle dies and bring him in as the team's mascot. Okay. And this chimpanzee is named Ed. And Ed is a little person in a costume. Um, so side note throughout this entire movie, so you can kind of picture while I'm like explaining the chimpanzee costume itself is not bad. Um, it moves weird because I think his arms are only going up to a certain point inside the chimpanzee arms. I mean, cause obviously he doesn't have like, you know, arms the length of his body. Cause that'd just be really weird. Um, but it's, it, from a distance, especially like it kind of looks like a chimpanzee <clears throat> until you get to the face because they got his human eyes looking out from this fucking rictus mask of a chimpanzee face and they emote like a human. So it's incredibly horrifying, like watching this thing like cavort on your screen anytime something happens. And this movie's PG 13. So Ed's doing some risque shit in this movie, but, um, but we'll get to that. So they bring Ed to the team and Ed's an immediate hit. And the coach of the team decides that Ed should room with Matthew LeBlanc's character. Like they should live together because that's going to help Matthew LeBlanc. Fuck. I got to look up that character's name. So I've already forgotten. Dick Rocket. Yeah, that's close. Um, Deuce, 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 Cooper. Deuce Cooper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, right. Are you gay, Deuce? Are you gay? I, well, I'll get to that. Right. That, that, that comes later. So Deuce and Ed are living together in this apartment and they live in an apartment above a single mother and her daughter. And the single mother wants to fuck Deuce and she makes no bones about the fact that she wants to fuck Deuce. But Deuce says that he can't get in any kind of romantic relationships until he breaks out of the slump, which I think kind that, of that's like, the opposite of the right is the opposite of the whole slump buster thing. But 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 Deuce is an idiot and is never portrayed as anything but an idiot. Throughout I'm this more questioning about this, the single mom that like wants to fuck the dude on a major or minor league baseball team. Well, he has a fastball. The daughter says he's got a nice butt, right, mom? Like watch him walk away. So this oh is the God. kind of movie you're getting. She's like eight. <laughs> um, no, that's how it's hilarious. Kids shouldn't know that, right? So that's subplot number two. So subplot number one is... Rich man's son is a fucking idiot. He wears a toupee. It's like an obvious toupee and it's kind of fucking up the team. Subplot two is Ed and Deuce are living together. And subplot three is single mom wants to bang Deuce um, because she needs a, a, a father for her child. Basically, That's the, this is how it's set up. Right. Um. So Deuce is super annoyed that he's got to live with Ed and Deuce wants Ed to live in a cage and behave like a pet, and Ed wants to behave like a human because, you know, he really is a human in a costume. So there's, like, gags, like Deuce goes and buys a bag of dog food because he thinks that's what Ed should eat, and Ed doesn't want to eat the dog food, so then he tricks Deuce into eating the dog food, and Deuce is like, oh, wow, that's really bad. And so then they're just eating people food together all the time. And then there's, like... What kind um, of people food? Like, oh, I don't know. Just like normal people food. Like oh, okay. shit. I don't know. Whatever. Like, like hamburgers I, and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um I want to hear I we gotta hear about the monkey doing people stuff at times. Like I mean, Oh, he's always doing people stuff. 
Always? He's 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 basically is a person because he's like he's emotive a person. <laughs> and well yeah, because he is a person. Because he's emotive and he's kind of like conveying emotion through weird hand signals. When he's got a pee, he grabs his dick mm. and does this weird like hip gyration thing where he like shakes his little legs and like bounces back and forth. Um Matthew M- Deuce is not pleased with the fact that Ed's gonna like piss in the toilet and wants him to go down and oh fuck I, I wrote down some quotes because this movie was just amazing um there's a sandbox down there so go pee your socks off that's that's one particularly why, why is the monkey not allowed the what why is he not allowed to piss in the because matt leblanc is a racist and doesn't believe that <laughs> that animals should have any rights and so and also doesn't want to live with the monkey like they have like a mexican standoff at one point um sort of where like where like ed is trying to just trying to live his best life and eat some food and matt leblanc's trying to like freeze him out and i guess ed basically just kind of like what does he do he like locks him in the bathroom or something i don't know anyway it's it's, it's terrible do they ever do the gag of like putting like a line of paint down the floor or anything like that or no like, no no I, but, but it really it really is like the odd couple right um, and it's it's slow because Ed keeps wanting to sleep in the said same bed as Deuce, but Deuce doesn't <laughs> want him to sleep in his bed. But over time they bond, and then by the end of the movie they're sleeping right. together in the bed. Sure. Um, so they're at practice one day, and they realize that Ed is a phenomenal third baseman. So Ed starts playing third base, and they start winning games. <laughs> Even though Deuce still can't control his fastball. Like, I, I'm, I'm waiting the whole time for Deuce to, like, start gaining confidence, but he's just an idiot. So he still can't, like, pitch a good fastball, and he's still throwing, like, really bad curveballs. Um, so the thing is built up where they got to cut people. It's the end of, towards the end of the season. There's a, um, a young rival pitcher that's, like, an ace reliever that wants to be a starter, and he's trying to take Deuce's spot. So... Midway through the movie, um, Deuce and Ed are like out and they see the mom and the daughter and the daughter's like, well, the daughter's like in love with Ed. I mean, not like in a romantic way, but like she wants to hang out with Ed all the time. Right. So she's talking to the to Ed and she's like, oh, you think we should get them together now? And they basically force Matt LeBlanc to like make out with this mother and then go into the house, presumably to like get busy or something i don't mm. know um while the monkey while, while the chimpanzee is watching the little girl and no one like really sees a problem with that because at this point ed has ed and deuce have kind of come to accept each other as you know human beings even though neither of them so ed, really is, ba- that ba- ed is babysitting the eight-year-old yeah yeah that happens a lot towards the end of the oh, movie. okay so then so then all of a sudden they're just together like that's they're like dating each other and in love or whatever so they make it towards the end of the season and the idiot son um, of the owner decides that even though they have record ticket sales and Ed is like the most popular thing in the minor leagues, he's going to strike while the iron's hot and sell the chimpanzee who's an active member of his roster <laughs> to someone to someone else. He's going to sell him. Uh-huh. Um, and the coach is like, Oh, but Ed's a great third baseman. He's like, but this is about the money. <laughs> so they sell Ed. And oh, Ed's shit. Um, <laughs> so it's like the day of the final game. And Matt LeBlanc's like, you know, 
I can't pitch for my life if my best friend isn't there. I got to go rescue Ed. So even though, and I don't know like time because time has no meaning in a movie like this. I don't know how many days it's been since Ed's been sold. Right. But Ed's just in a cage in the basement of the clubhouse. So basically, Matt LeBlanc just has to kind of sneak into the clubhouse at night, and there's Ed in a cage getting um, cattle prodded by these two goons who have never been in the movie before. So Matt LeBlanc fights him and breaks Ed out. And so they escape, and as they're driving away, um, they get in a car accident, and Ed is nearly fatally wounded and comatose. So they got to take him to the hospital. So now you got this monkey on life support um, with like IV tubes and like breathing up his nose and everybody's all depressed. Cause Oh my God, Ed mm-hmm. going to die. And Matt LeBlanc, they're like, you gotta, you gotta go pitch anyway. Like you gotta pitch. Cause this is your chance. This is your one shot at the big time. There's also a scene earlier where Ed falls into an, a vat of ice cream and he comes out and the ice cream is just like painted on his face. So his face is like, slimy and like baby blue and those eyes are looking out of it and i swear i I put down like a a a rictus mask of horror and human eyeballs is like what you get and it's 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 fucking detestable to watch um so so matt leblanc is pitching in the final game and he's gotten through like eight innings and they're in the ninth inning and it's this guy that's like with hold on just this fastball yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, because other people are like now all of a sudden, like everyone else on the team is competent for some reason because I like, guess like monkey magic, and they're like hitting home runs and shit. So they're they're winning the game. <clears throat> he's giving up some homers, right? Because he still sucks, really. <laughs> but they really want to bring him up to the major leagues because you know he's the star of this movie. So, all right. So the guy that's like taking him yard several times in the movie from the supposing team is up to bat and the cocky youngster is like take 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 deuce out put me in deuce can't close i'm the guy going to the major leagues so in the meantime ed wakes up out of his coma i don't remember how but somehow that happens right and um girlfriend and daughter are like oh my god we gotta get to the stadium so they drive to the stadium with Ed, and then Ed's there in his um, hospital scrubs or whatever. Not scrubs, but whatever you put a patient in. <clears throat> um, and Matt LeBlanc's like, oh, my God, Ed. And then he says, so he calls time, and they're like, you can't call time. And he's like, I'm doing it anyway, and I'm doing it for this. And he goes over and kisses his girlfriend and then hugs Ed and then gets back on the mound probably is not a legitimate reason to call time in the middle of a baseball game probably not but he does that so you know they single signal fastball he throws fastball he gets strike one then throws another fastball gets ball one then he throws another fastball which gets like looks like it's going to be a home run but it like goes it's just a foot foul oh and it's um uh uh gary jerry from uh parks and rec is the um is the, is the batter no, he's the announcer. He's oh, okay. The he's play by play. Okay. He's also he's also the uncle of Matt LeBlanc's love interest, and that's how they first like see each other anyway. Because she works okay, okay, at the restaurant that's adjacent to the ballpark. I don't know. There's really okay, no so rhyme or reason. Now, now as you mentioned a, a character actor in here, um, let me just ask you: Who does Jack Warden play? What's the name? 
Jack Warden? No, no, no. What's the character oh, name? Chubb? Chubb is the coach. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Jack Warden as a coach makes sense. Okay. The legendary Bill Cobbs, um, who plays the elderly black cop in Demolition Man. He's he's the assistant coach. Okay. All right. That makes sense for the him. Who's Jim Caviezel? Dizzy he is a ball player from early on that can't stay upright after he hits a ball so he gets cut holy shit so there's like nobody in this like all the other characters you mentioned like these people like don't have any name value uh the guy that plays the shitty like rival pitcher has been in other things i can't remember what his name is okay um yeah i don't think he's listed uh he's not listed like on just the wiki he is is he yeah let me look it up carney Maybe. Hold on. Um, but most of these are nothing. Maybe that is Courtney. Yeah. Most of know. these are nothing roles, though. Is what I'm saying. Like you haven't even oh, mentioned yeah, yeah, these yeah. characters, but like they're the most notable characters, like character actors. Like well, in because like, because all that matters in this movie is Matt LeBlanc and the dude that's in the fucking Ed. Yeah costume okay. or whatever okay. right. they don't even list ed oh no um, yeah jay caputo and denise cheshire are ed yeah it had so to be it's two, a two yeah it's a tag team effort yeah somebody operating one arm somebody operating another i imagine <laughs> um so anyway so this sudden outpouring of love and whatever gives matt leblanc the confidence to finally pitch a curveball and he gets strike three and strikes the guy out and They've won the minor league pennant, and now he's going to get a major league contract, and they decide to become a family, and they just steal Ed and make him their child, basically. Like, that's kind of the gist. Oh, because Tommy Lasorda is at the game with the father um, because they're there to see Ed, and they're all mad that the kids sold Ed, and the, the kid's like, but daddy, money? And they're like, wow, you're such an idiot. And then... um. Somebody hits a foul ball and it knocks the toupee off the guy's head. Mm. Like, well, it doesn't mm. even like knock it off. It like spins around, like, like a Three Stooges bit. Yeah, 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 kind of. Um. So then, at the end <laughs> of the movie, they're driving away in his old truck that he still has from when he was a farmhand or whatever. Um, to live a happy life together. Uh. So that's um. That's Ed. Uh. There Dad. is nothing redeeming about this movie at all. Like, it's funnier to listen to the description. It because is. I was, I was telling um, my parents and Tony, my brother, about it at dinner tonight. And they were laughing pretty hard. And I was yeah, like, look, yeah. like, you're laughing at me. You need to understand. You're not laughing at Ed. Because if you were watching Ed, you would not smile once. And it's true. Like, it's so... I'm going to I'm gonna read you some things I wrote down. And this yeah, is more no, this is, let me just say, like, I, that, that is up there with some of the better quick cages that we did of Nicolas Cage movies in terms of enjoying listening to the movie. So, there's a scene where Ed has... Um, Matt LeBlanc's trying to get Ed to go in his cage or something, because that's initially how, you know, they're going to they're, they're gonna play this relationship. And Ed just, like, kind of jumps out the front door and, like, scampers off. And Matt LeBlanc legitimately comes and stands out and puts his hands on his hips and says, I'm going to spank that monkey. Um, so I wrote that part down. 
Uh, there's one point where Matt LeBlanc like basically fondles Ed's nose and calls him a brown noser, and it's like really uncomfortable. Um, typically, Ed is grabbing his dick constantly to symbolize that he has to pee. Um, and so that's where the line, there's a sandbox down there to go pee your socks off comes from because Matt LeBlanc doesn't want Ed using the bathroom. What, in what does pee your socks off mean? Like, know, like just, you're pissing so hard the stream lifts you out of your socks? Is that well, the you know, I mean, like the idea of like blowing your socks off means that you're having a great time. You know, whatever, I guess. I, I don't know. It's not a real phrase. It's a fucking <laughs> movie written by, I don't know. I don't know who wrote this movie. I don't care. His name out. is David Mickey Evans, and you need to know that name because I think it's very possible that you may end up having to like watch something else that he wrote, wrote and directed, possibly because oh, well. those Beethoven's movies are like pretty much all his. <laughs> I've seen some of those though, so I might be safe. Mm, okay. Um. Uh oh, so there's a really meta part in the movie where Ed is watching the episode of Friends where Phoebe gets the monkey. Mm. Um the little like what what is that little uh capuchin monkey that they get? Yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. the name of it. Uh-huh. But he's sitting there watching Matt LeBlanc's sitcom in Ed Universe and watching Phoebe interact with this little capuchin in that um episode. So um that was really annoying. But I guess like you know good cross promotion or something maybe i I, do you think um i mean how much do you think nbc actually made them i actually i'll I'll look it up you go on you you do your thing um so the first time ed gets up to bat after they've just miraculously discovered and i want to point out i don't know when mickey mantle died but this is mickey mantle's pet chimpanzee that they purchased from his estate i should look that up i should have looked it up before because now I, i don't feel like it but right um so this is like a creature that was like a, a like a valued pet to this whatever like all-time great baseball player and they just kind of bought him it's 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 so then well, the first time he gets up to bat um Gary Gergich says ball that's the teeniest strike zone i ever seen um which really bothered me too for some reason i don't know it's the way that he's like kind of grinding his hips and shit um when Ed's running the bases one of his tricks is to grab a player's like crotch and pull his pants down so the player hmm. now has his nether regions exposed so ed can slide into base that would be effective um, i mean uh there's some criticism that deuce is at first unwilling to date this um woman and look i'm i'm not like like whatever face or body shaming anybody but this lady's not even like super attractive or anything i mean she, she's pretty but it's just whatever <laughs> Um, so rival is like, Hey deuce, are you gay? You gay deuce. And then there's like a bunch of jokes about like balls and balls in people's mouths and whatnot. Um, I did write down the Rick, the rictus mask of a fake chimp face covered in ice cream. Uh, cause that really bothered me. Um, Oh, there's a, there's a scene where Ed is hanging out with, um, so deuce and the mom decide to go on a date and they're like, um should we get a babysitter and deuce was like no ed's fine like they'll they they can watch each other so then they're just hanging out like alone right um and they get into the mother's clothes and they start doing dress up and ed puts on a pointy bra which i don't know why the mother would have and blonde hair and is voguing uh which is also particularly disturbing to watch um because again like every time you're looking at this fucking chimp's face it's like 
these human eyes like screaming in terror out from just this i don't know like and also not very timely by this point in 96 the vogue eh, it's only like four years at that point it was like 89 Vogue. like was like yeah i thought vogue was like 91 92 Uh, it's like 89 look that up i'm gonna say it's 91 92 um, and then my last note is Ed's human eyes are horrifying. Um, okay, so, yeah, so, so 1990. Now eh, we split the difference. So, um, <laughs> okay, sure. I said 91, 92. You said 89. It's 90. Right in the middle. Smack that. March, March 90. It's recorded in December of 89, but it's released in March. Ooh. When was when 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 did the Vogue video come out? Uh, was directed in February of 90 and was world premiered March 29th of 1990 mm. anyway they, they pre-recorded so, it before the album came out I think. it doesn't matter because people still would understand it and you're going for like lowest common denominator I'm just and saying that Wayne's World makes a Vogue joke and it's timely and it's funny like I can't imagine the Vogue joke is funny in this correct because it's fucking six years later Christopher, nothing is funny. In this. <laughs> it's too shit. It's not like it missed the mark in that one spot. I get like it. I'm, anything, I'm hyper fixating on the Vogue joke. I get it. Okay. All right. Go like on. If anything, the monkey dressed up in human clothes and dancing is the closest thing to comedy that you get. But it's so soul crushing to watch the entire thing. There is no there. So. We talk all the time about why I don't like comedies. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. going to break it down a little bit here. Uh-huh. It's because for a comedy to be good, it either needs to be completely absurd or have a thread of like an actual narrative and sense to it. And this is neither of those things. Like the absurdity in it is always counterbalanced by some dumb shit that's like, I don't know, like. I don't know. It's just it's it's just a really poorly written, poorly acted. No offense to Matt LeBlanc, but like it feels like something that would be in like the dollar bin at Walmart that no one ever picks up and buys. And really, this movie probably is a whole lot of money. Um, but not something released by a major motion picture studio. You know what I mean? Like this. This I I remember this movie coming out actually and. I remember not watching it because why would I ever do that? Um, because Tony was like, maybe I saw this movie and I said, dude, in 96, you would have been like 12 years old. Like you weren't watching fucking Ed unless somebody forced you to. So he still doesn't know if he'd ever seen it, but it was never anything that we would have watched. I never would have watched fucking. I never, I, I, I remember this movie now, like the, maybe I don't even know if I saw a trailer. I remember the poster. Certainly. I do remember the poster. I mean, I was working. Sure. I guess I was working in the movie theater then. Seems like you were. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I did a couple things in '96. Um. So anyway, so like the whole plot line of this incompetent dude running this minor league team so poorly, with no consequence from his father, who's obviously a very successful businessman. I mean, Tommy Lasorda. It's just like, who is this idiot? And the guy's like, this is my son. 
And the guy, oh, man, I did the best thing in the world, Daddy. I sold Ed. And he said, you sold Ed? Ed's the only reason we're here. And he's like, but Daddy, straight quality iron's hot for the money? Hold on. So well, I don't know what it, what just happened there. It's like he started out as Dusty Rhodes, and then suddenly... It's, it's 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 just the ebb and flow of trying to remember this shit ass movie i only watched like four days ago it really was difficult to find something to watch for this because i've seen so many goddamn movies where monkeys doing people stuff you know you've like seen, you've seen dunston checks in really yeah man really i mean yeah yeah i have okay i don't know why you said you even saw like the other day. I asked you. I was like, "Is is it any which way but loose?" And, oh, I've seen that. And any which way you, you can, yeah. you said, right? Yeah, oh yeah, so. I actually I, like those movies. So whatever. You, you're a big Clint Eastwood mark. Uh, let's be honest. Especially when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. And I love chimpanzees, so it goes hand in hand. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. I've seen all the Planet of the Apes movies, right. even though we kind of agreed that those don't count. There's a whole bunch of other weird shit, like um, Night at the Museum I could have done because there's that capuchin in there that's like all like acting like a person, but I've seen those movies. I've really seen a lot of movies with, with monkeys behaving I mean, in a way that... Yeah, I, I looked up a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, have you... um. God, you should have like really like milked it and should have done that like eleven minute David Lynch short on Netflix. But I've um, seen it. Oh, have you? Okay, I didn't know you watched it. Yeah, man. What <clears throat> what Jack saw or whatever it's called. What did Jack do? Yeah. Yeah. What um, did Jack do? Yeah. What about the Dora movies? I remember looking those up. There's the live action Dora movies, right? Like they that has monkey shit in it, right? I feel like a pedophile watching those movies. I I I can't watch those movies. Because hey, okay, fine. that's cool. I get I it. watched. Like, I saw. So I mean, my son grew up watching Dora the Explorer, so right. I've seen a lot of like the animated Dora stuff. And so when the trailer came out for it, I was like, oh, I wonder how that'll be because I always thought they should do a live action movie. Right. And I felt like it was just a little bit too <laughs> uncomfortably sexualized, like the way that they dress Dora and have Dora act. And I don't know, maybe that's. Maybe that's too too real and too much, but it just it felt uncomfortable, and I don't want to. I don't want to watch those movies. Yeah, okay. I don't approve. I don't know. All right. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. I, I yeah. I I don't think I could. I have a very hard time. Yeah, I don't think I could do it. Like I I would I would I would would never want to watch the Dora movies. I don't even know anything about Dora the Explorer except for I think through you, like it's, from the cartoon when Frankie watched it when. As a kids as a kids program for someone that's like in the preschool range, it's good for learning like some basic Spanish, really. And you don't really like learn how to speak Spanish, but it's, you know you learn some words and whatever. So it's kind of uncomfortable to me to like. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I felt like they were gearing it more towards the audience that was originally into Dora, but then grew up. But, like, that's not the point. You know, you, you make that a kid's movie, and you make it a solid kid's movie, and then maybe whatever, but I don't know. I just, I, I didn't like the gray, like, tween area they tried to paint it in. Yeah. Because I didn't feel like it was appropriate, so. Yeah. 
All right. So just to quickly follow up, um, it's different studios at the time. Now, in 2022, um, Universal is connected to, Com- I think Comcast bought Universal. So, but Universal is <clears throat> who distributed um, this. Longview doesn't seem to have any association with NBC or Warner Brothers, which would have been the NBC properties back then. Unless LeBlanc cut a deal or somehow they got free use, I think they got to pay for that clip. <laughs> Pretty sure. I think they paid for the clip of the monkey for the meta joke. Maybe. I should try to get Matt LeBlanc on the podcast to ask him. Mm. What's he doing? Probably not wanting to talk about that as much as I don't want to <coughs> like ever watch that again. He said he actually seems like he has a pretty good sense of humor. I I, I think he would talk about it if he wanted to talk And it's about weird it. because like I feel like I'm not shitting on it hard enough because it really, really, really was difficult to sit through this entire movie in one sitting. It wasn't as difficult as Larry the Cable Guy colon Health Inspector, but it was pretty close. I mean, only because it wasn't as oh, so there is one like kind of offensive thing in it. <clears throat> so the coach of the Sharks, which is one of their opposing teams, is abysmally racist. Like everything he says is basically denigrating someone's like race or culture um he's only in the movie for like three minutes but that's it's a pretty it's pretty packed three minutes and basically the whole point is just that he doesn't think that ed should be able to play baseball because he's a primate and points to a black player and he's like i mean these guys can play and whatever it's just it's it's super racist and i mean it's meant to be racist in like a haha way but 25 years later it doesn't really come off that way so yeah right um, but again, they only use that point once and then it never comes up again and no one else seems to have a problem. And they go into the baseball bylaws and they're like, it just says has to be like a, pos- a player play in a position. Mm, doesn't say it has to be a human player. And then Ed is like the best third baseman of all time. Right. He's got a um, wicked ass cutoff too. <sighs> all right. Oh, I know that guy. He played... <laughs> Only because I know the X-Files so well. I, I know that guy plays that Sharks coach. Um, <clears throat> he was in an episode called Red Museum. Um, it's not a very good episode, but I remember that char- that sheriff character that he plays. Do you think, is there anybody that can actually get away with just throwing a fastball that you can recall? I, I don't remember anybody. They at least have to have something like a cutter or something. Yeah. I guess I mean, it's, like not a, like, it's not a, like Trevor Hoffman or... Um... Who was the the spark plug dude with the glasses on on the Dodgers for a long time? Hoffman was like the Padres or something, right? And then there was the other guy. Fuck, what was his name? Um, I I can't. He wore like orange sunglasses and always had a goatee and was just kind of stocky. But he he just threw like heat. He was a reliever? Yeah, he was a closer for the Dodgers in like the... Late 90s, early 2000s? Because oh. it was always Trevor Hoffman and him for like a couple of years on the West Coast for like like the closers. And then Rivera. And he had glasses? The... Yeah. Donnie? 
that his name? Eric, Eric Gagne? Was it Eric Gagne? Gagne something? Yeah. Gagne. Look, Gagne is how you pronounce it. It's just like Vern. Um, yeah, Vern Gagne. Yeah, Gagne. Um, that's the only one I can think of. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's him. Okay. Oh, he's freaking Canadian. <laughs> that's a weird reaction. <laughs> it's fine. Nobody downloads our podcast from Canada. They don't like us. Because they got all these truckers up there blocking their internet access. Um, Is that comment you made last week? That's um, It might be. Um, so, yeah. So, Ed. Yeah. Terrible. All right. So, what's your... Ter- um, terrible, but well-meaning. And that's the problem, but so it's, poorly it's, done. Oh, whether it's a person, a movie, like it doesn't matter what it is. Anytime you have to end up with saying it's or their heart is in the right place, <laughs> like that, you're it's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> it was like that's the best was, you can give it. It's awful. It was like they took a group of people that had seen an episode of Friends and it never put pen to paper before to put down any kind of cognizant thought that could be considered like fiction and they said hey write this movie and they were like whoa and they were just kind of trying to imitate what they had seen like you know what maybe it was written by chimpanzees so they're like trying to think like hey what would i do if i was a person and it's like oh um you know i eat dog food and i don't know I don't know. I I can't defend it. The movie's fucking terrible. All right. So what's your um what's your chagrin score? Like it's not the nine, right? Then if it's <sighs> not it, as bad as Health Inspector, so I really feel like I missed the ball and I should have given Health Inspector a ten. Because hmm. if I have to see a movie that's worse than that, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Well, I mean, right. So look, it's kind of like grading, right? Like I I, I grade like you know uh, papers, and it's like. I will sit there and like have like a th- something I I'm looking at and I'm like, you know what? Like that's a that's a that's a that, that's a, that's a, like a 93 out of 100. And then it's like I realize the deeper I get in the grading, like it's actually it's the reverse of that. I sit there and look at it and think like that's like a 67. That's like a like a high D. Like I can't pass it. It's this is usually the more common occurrence. And then like I read more and I'm like. And, and then I go back before I release the grades. I'm like, okay, now that's like a 72, maybe. Um, <clears throat> like, maybe I need to rethink this. Um, I think by the end of all this, at the end of the year, um, I think you can go back retroactively and determine what is a 10. And then adjust it from there. Well, then this is an 8. Okay. On the current scale. Okay. It's a hard eight, though. <laughs> like, it wants to be a nine so bad. It's just that it, it, it didn't know the Larry the Cable guy was coming at some point. I just wrote it down. Hard eight. <clears throat> That's fine. I can hashtag that motherfucker, and people will think it's a P.T. Anderson movie. So. <clears throat> All about those downloads now. <clears throat> And I watched this before work one day. Like, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning accidentally. It was like, fuck it. I'm just going to watch Ed. 
and you told me that you regretted not using what are you calling them like i call it my red cards red cards okay you regretted not making me watch this i should have red carded you yeah 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 i feel i feel like i dodged a bullet <clears throat> oh my god you have no idea i feel like i should be able to retro red card at some point <laughs> retro in what way like so the rules we determined over text this week is that it once you determine the movie at that point you use the card yeah so, so what do you spend, mean by retroactively you like once you watch it like i'm gonna at some point just say you know what go watch ed and then you right. gotta do it okay hopefully it's still on stars yeah i mean as long look you're watching them like days ahead of time like it would be a very odd circumstance where it's like you couldn't like red card me if we want to adjust the rules here. You couldn't red card me after you watched it, and I couldn't like fulfill that. I mean, it would be very a very rare I, occurrence ever that that would happen. I think I gotta. I think I gotta like play it true and just kind of make you. Um, yeah. I say like I. I think this is going to be really terrible. Yeah. Um. You need to go watch this movie and then. Well, look. I. I Throughout this year, you're going to get fucked over a number of times. It's only mid-February. Like, um, I know. So, and how so, bad has it been already? I, I know, right? So, look, you got four of them. You get three that you got to do it straight and one that you can do retroactively. I'm telling you, you might get Ed. Oh, no, I can't. No, you are. it's already done. It's already done. Why? I can do what I want. No, you can't. No, no. Retroactive in the sense of like you watch it and then you can sit there and say, you know what? No, you got to go watch this. Fuck you. <laughs> go watch this. Feel my pain. Like that's like your feel my pain card. You get one. The other ones you have to determine the movie and then decide whether I have to watch it or not. All right, fine. It's not Ed. Done. <clears throat> God damn it. Dodge <laughs> dead. All right, you want to spend 10 minutes talking about Book of Boba Fett real quick? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to eat right. a Girl Scout cookie while we're... Uh... You should. I got... um. Have I Did I tell you about the... Uh, real, uh, here, here's a plug. Maybe somebody will give us money. Um, Have I told you about SweetGourmet.com? What? <laughs> SweetGourmet.com. It is a... um. It is, it is like, classy, like, you know, candy. So... At Christmas, I think I did tell you about this. Um, my wife, uh, for part of a stocking stuffer, got me orange slices that I really like a lot. It's one of my fit candies that I actually like, which I don't like many. And it's from this place called SweetGourmet.com. And it's like these like kind of fancy orange slices. They were excellent. Um, I ate way too many on Christmas Day. Um, and, um, and then I just finished them off within a few days because otherwise I would just... I, it's it's not good i just i can't if it's candy i like i can't deal so um i'm just gluttonous so i got um circus peanuts from sweetgourmet.com and root beer barrels from sweetgourmet.com and this place is excellent everything that they like put out is like the best of any of these type of candies i've ever had in my life so can um, i ask you did you get some metamucil with that too grandma <laughs> to go with your root beer barrels and your fucking what was the other thing? Circus peanuts. Oh, circus peanuts! Right, that's definitely a grandma candy. And, and let me and let me tell you this: it's not just the orange circus peanuts. I didn't even know these things existed. It's a it's a mix pack. So you got yellow, you got pink, you got white, and you got orange, and they're actually all different flavors of circus peanut. 
I mean, look, I love circus peanuts, but I got grandma taste too sometimes. So yeah, but you never had. Let me tell you this: you never had a lemon circus peanut, have you? I don't know. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. I don't have a huge um, amount of like recall of the circus peanuts of which I've eaten in my life. <laughs> I get circus peanut. The only place you can ever find circus peanuts. I have two places throughout my life that you can consistently find circus peanuts is a pharmacy, and so far Redner's um stores yeah that's well, the only places yeah. unless you go specifically go to the candy aisle of like a walmart or something maybe you'll find them you'll usually find them but um i never go down the candy aisle of walmart so it's like every time i am ever in a pharmacy it's like the one thing i give to myself is i get one of those like little like you know 50 cent probably like a dollar now like bags of circus peanuts every single time um can you hear me eating that cookie no i'm i'm well look the audience can't see i'm watching you lift <laughs> lift it up um lift your like little like mic up in the air as you eat the cookie um i can hear you when you like come down as you're just finishing chewing and you think you got it but you don't and then there's always a little bit left of these s'mores cookies. all right <laughs> they're delicious so <laughs> I, i'm not i'm not a big i'm not a big s'more guy so well, they don't necessarily taste like s'mores. They just taste like Oreos, kind of, but still good. All right. All right. So for, for, for people that are listening to the podcast, do you think we should do the spin first and then talk about Book of Boba Fett? You don't want to talk about talk about circuspeanuts.com anymore? Sweetgourmet.com. Oh, I, I was going right. to say fan, fancy sweets. Actually. Fancy sweets? <laughs> yeah, fancy sweets. Oh, we should start fancy sweets. Then I get shit. <clears throat> Let's do, all right, hold on. Let's 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 do the spin first, and then we'll right. book both that so Sounds people good. aren't spoiled. All right, all right. So, click. Oh my god! All right. I get heart palpitations every time this happens. Oh, you're not happy. You're not going to be happy with this, Frank. Oh, what the? F- what, what kind of fucking category is that? Who? <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be. <laughs> okay, so the category is torture porn from a foreign country. So this you're should try- be a first. This would be you're a first. To, for- you're trying to force me to watch fucking like a Serbian movie or some shit. Oh, boy. Yeah, I did that one. That's my fault, Frank. Um, That's mean. <laughs> it is um I, look i there's some categories i know of things you specifically dislike and i put on here um that's one of them I think i've seen a lot of that shit there, i think there's so I two know. i think there's two that like i think you would really hate it and that's one of them um, i refuse to watch a serbian movie so i don't know why don't find something else sure yeah um i feel like i'm probably going to get red carded on this one um because I do not like those things either, but um, I I they leave a real bad taste in my mouth. So, but yeah, um, that was I I didn't know we were doing the red card thing before. Um, I made that category, so I'm gonna think about it tonight. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So next week category torture porn from a foreign country Jeez. because. <laughs> and I remember specifically thinking like torture porn, and I said no, 
it needs to be from a foreign country because it'll be much sicker than anything Americans will actually get away with. <laughs> you never know. It could be like our uh, be a breakthrough episode. You never know. There's a bunch of Japanese stuff I haven't seen because I just stopped watching it. Yeah. As you're going to write carving, I'm going to pay for something probably. Um, I'm making something that's like $12 too. Yeah, right. <clears throat> shit, that, that'll be your punishment to me more than anything else is making me pay for shit. Because <laughs> you got everything free for Frank, Mr. Moneybags. <clears throat> All right. So uh, that's our category. All right. Don't look yet. Fuck it. Let's talk about Book of Boba Fett. All right. So we seem to be in the minority of this shit in terms of liking this show. Mm, I think there's a lot of people that like it that don't want to say that they like it because um, they feel like it's an unpopular opinion. Hmm. All right. So give me your general thoughts. Like, I thought it was pretty fantastic. And I thought that it was a very... A very restrained and almost intellectual look at a character that's kind of been fetishized over four decades by fans of the series as being like even not not even an anti-hero just a villain that people thought was cool because they liked the way that he looked but i mean like there's no real like anything to boba fett in the original trilogy and then you gotta watch extended universe shit like Clone Wars and Rebels and whatever to kind of get like any sort of Boba Fett story. But I think that it's brilliant in terms of like the overall narrative of the Mandalorian to allow Boba Fett to, over the course of those seven episodes, go from being basically a loser that's trapped in the belly of like a giant sandworm. Yes. To sort of following a redemption path where he kind of learns that it's important to have friends and family and people that you identify with and that you stick up for and to have a moral code that's more than just you know the highest bounty that you can collect and have no value of human life um and i don't understand how and so i think the problem with the show that a lot of people have is i think that the split narrative for the first three episodes right Mm-hmm. It's how long that four, lasts. Four episodes. For the fourth episode is where the split comes together. Yes. Right. And like yep. kind of brings it all into the forefront. And then there's that's, last the, that's the Fennec stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I I get that it was an awkward way to tell it, but I think the important thing is like, so you have this character that's been presumed dead for 30 plus years of our lives now. Almost 40 years, I guess, since Return right. of the Jedi, right? 20, 39 years or something since Return of the Jedi. Yeah. 83. Yeah. Right. And he's been built up so much as this ultimate badass yep. in terms of like, because people. You know, Fan lore, though. Fan right. Lore. The whole like reason the Mandalorian exists is because people think that that's an awesome costume, yes. basically. That's right. So the story of the Mandalorian is one of personal growth and building a family and building connections beyond it's 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 the way you know yeah and it's it's din jarin or however you say his name 
learning the way as it relates to himself and the people that he's gathered around him and particularly this creature that was nothing but a bounty that's now become like his son yes so you can't move boba fett into that universe as a recurring character and have him be a villain and have him be a cold-blooded murderer and an active bounty hunter and people edgelord motherfuckers want to have like this idea that no boba fett's got to be this badass he's got to be doing badass things but he's an old man that lived for a decade in the belly of a creature and basically had to relearn who he was as a person and kind of like be humbled by these sand people tuscan raiders or whatever and sort of regrow into a different being and who saved fennec shad and who avenged the death of his his tribe and who came to care about like other people and realized that you can do good things for people without being completely selfish like that it's it's better to you know protect and serve and whatever than it is to not to make it like whatever like he's law enforcement because he's ostensibly he's he's a crime lord yeah. a criminal syndicate but he's yeah. it's crime it's like robin hood you know what i mean yes. like robin hood's a crime lord too so i get that people are disappointed that it's not like boba fett flying around and just murdering people and but he's a 40 some year old man and that's why like the stuff with cad bane at the end of the last episode is is so powerful because here's a guy that taught him to be and you have to watch the extended yeah. universe that's show. my one criticism is i wish the cad banes my only criticism i think of the show honestly is the cad bane shit should have been introduced in some way earlier in the season for people that didn't know that lore <clears throat> that story could build a little bit more that's my only criticism of it at all i agree with that <clears throat> and it I mean, it's all available on Disney streaming, but they don't really give you like a watching guide of like watch. Sure. Because really, there's several episodes of Clone Wars and several episodes of Rebels that should be watched in order to have a real, like a better understanding of the dynamic between these characters and Boba's dynamic as a young child who watched his father get murdered by a Jedi. Mm -hmm. So, but that's the thing is that boba still can be a badass and he still can win but he has he can't use his old tools of his trade like his missiles don't work his pistol his blaster doesn't work you know his rocket doesn't work it's when he breaks out his what do we call a bonta stick or whatever i can't remember what it's called orion orion knew the term the other day yeah he breaks that out and that's how he beats cad bane and it's yeah. it's using the things that he learned from this extended family yes. that put him on this path to redemption yes right that allows after, him to, right after the last line cad bane says to him is the le- final lesson i have to teach you is always look out for yourself <laughs> and he kills him with the very symbol of the idea of family like, yeah. ain't hard to understand <laughs> ain't hard to get so I get in my feed all the time. I don't know about you, but I've been getting a lot of negative reviews for 
this show and i read all of them because i really want to understand i've actually even watched some youtube videos got recommended to me like out of the just to just to see what people are saying and try to understand like why do people dislike this so much and i read this one and i was like okay like th- like i've read one i was like okay this like to some degree sums up pretty much everything that i've read so far there's two different paths there's like the i, I don't like to use that word there's the there's the hardcore star trek fans I should say that don't understand Boba Fett in terms of the canonical stuff, like the prequels versus like the clone war, the CGI clone war and all that kind of stuff. Like they don't get like this characterization of them. And then there's the people that are the more like people that are like, uh, like you're talking about like return fans, like original trilogy fans that are like, um, I thought he was going to be a badass because that's what they imagined as a child. And there's actually a third category of just intellectual lightweights. Um, so mm. there's this one review I saw that kind of like almost like to me encapsulizes like a bunch of them. Right. And I'm only going to read a couple paragraphs here, but it, it, it will make my point. So he says some of the early praise I saw for this show, this is, I don't remember his name, but it's um, Pajib, P.A. JIBA.com. Um, and I've seen Den of Geek like make some of these same points in a couple of YouTube videos. So some of the early praise I saw for this show after the first two or three episodes is that finally Star Wars was fleshing out Boba Fett and giving a backstory. Did it though? For starters, Boba Fett already had a canonical backstory that was seen in both Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars. Literally, all the Book of Boba Fett did was fill in the short gap between the return of the Jedi and the Mandalorian, and not with much. Boba Fett, here's his summary of this. Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc. He met some Sand People. They died. He got his ship and armor back, then took over Jabba's operation by simply strolling up to Boba Fett, or sorry, Bib Fortuna, and shooting him in the chest. Later, he had to shoot some more people with his buddy Mando, and it all worked out. That's the entire book of Boba Fett minus the two episodes that became The Mandalorian. Uh, what a fresh take. Uh, that's my commentary. As for what the show told us about Boba Fett as a character, not much either, because, again... All we did was some time with him during a very brief period of his life where he decided to switch jobs and not very well. There were some flashbacks to his dad's leaving to hunt for bounties when he was a kid, but absolutely zero thematic reason for any of that, which makes me even madder just thinking about it. What was the point of those? (sighs) So you've already. You're, you're, You're really driving me nuts with this fucking review. It's done now. So look, you've already mentioned a lot of this. Like, if your summary is that Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc, then he met some sand people, they died. He got his ship in armor back, which happened in the Mandalorian season two, not in this show. Um, also, going in and killing Fortuna, like, end of season two of Mandalorian. Um, then he had to shoot some more people with his buddy Mando, which is the seventh episode. Um, You've completely missed the subtext that you mentioned about the idea of having the uh, like a clan family and figuring out how to help and serve others and interact with others. You've completely missed the entire point, which is why you summarize it like that, 
of those first four episodes is that after being trapped for so long, you have a lot of time to think about your life and the decisions you've made by that point. He is already, first of all, he's a clone. He had no choice in anything in his life from birth. Like, you know, like, like literally, like he was like designed and part of just this like tribe that he doesn't have, you know, his father dies like, and like, he's just stuck after being a bounty hunter and being trained by Cad Bane, you know, is like to some degree, like he's just stuck in this Sarlacc pit. He comes out, he's stripped of his armor, which is the one thing that defined him. Even if you just watched Return of the Jedi, it's the one thing that defined him. Um, and let's not forget that he was unceremoniously killed in Return of the Jedi by a blind Han accidentally hitting his fucking jetpack and ejecting him in the Sarlacc. He's not a badass. His armor is badass. Like you said, that's what people like freaked out over him is like thought it was so cool. Like, so he comes out of this shit. He gets captured by sand people without his armor. Like, and his first interaction is with that uh, Greedo looking thing. Like where it's like, he tries to like form an alliance and like this thing just like turns him in. And he grows to like, as watching the sand people grows to respect them. And is like, what does he have to go back to? He doesn't have his armor. He grows to respect them as like, you know, a community and a group of warriors. He develops a family out of these people. And then once they're butchered, decides to get revenge and grow his own and, 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 and do what they did for him and pay it forward as much as I hate that phrase to save Fennec and then offer a hand to all these other people that are like left out in the cold by whatever society the government whatever how hard is this to understand thematically and then you take the mandalorian episodes and the mandalorian as you said has always been about this idea of bringing people together forming alliances it's been the whole point of that show thematically the idea that he's rejected from his family in terms of the other Mandalorians, goes back to the family that he's created because of their toxic religious rules about removing your helmet and all these kind of things. And then all the stuff with Groku, also going back towards a created family as opposed to the family, the people he's supposed to be with that is talked about in the Mandalorian, the Jedi's. And Luke gives him a choice and he chooses to go back. Thematically, it all ties into the very theme of Boba Fett. Sure. How how is this hard to understand right. by I mean, I don't, any I, of these people? Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It is it's not difficult. I think it's I think it's a really good solid series. I and 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 that's just the subtext the text i marked out to constantly every single episode once i started watching you were ahead of me you know i marked out every single episode multiple yeah. times to the text of the story of just what was happening 
um i was looking forward to episodes like you you know how much i like marked out over the idea of like oh my god boba fett's gonna ride a fucking rancor like i like this is gonna happen and i'm gonna lose my shit and i lost my shit like the text of this thing is so damn good and so filled with mark out moments of like things that you're just like giddy about because this is exactly what i wanted not the sequels but this is exactly what i wanted from the star wars universe exactly is new yeah. stories using some familiar things but it's not the same old trite luke skywalker like you know leia han all that kind of stuff um i thought this was really cool and so the la- what i want to know from you though is you you talked a lot about the subtext like when you talked about it like just like i did but it's like what were the things you really liked from the text? Like, uh, from, from from the idea of just, like, things that happened in the show. Like, what were the moments that, like, you were, like, just... I mean, I marked out super hard to the um, the huts. Hmm. Um, yeah. The brother and sister huts. Mm-hmm. And especially them bringing the, the baby Rancor on, um, like, a palaquin or whatever to him to, um, like, hey, like, we're leaving, but you know, here's a peace offering to you because we don't want to deal with the people that are coming, whatever. I mean, I, I thought that was awesome. I thought the scenes with him, like, bonding with the Rancor when he first gets it yes, with Danny Trejo were pretty awesome. Um, Great stunt casting there, too, with Danny Trejo. Yeah. I thought that, I don't know, like, I, I liked, I liked Fennec being the one to just kind of go and, like, take out the entire um crime syndicate and pike leader in one fell swoop just kind of showing that like she's a badass and right um i like i thought the shit with uh the marshal you know the um what's his name uh vanth yeah cob vanth i thought that stuff was all really great Mm -hmm. i thought so okay so here's I, I got in this argument with someone at work the other day. Not, not argument. We were talking about it at work the other day. If you made a Boba Fett series that took place between the events of Rebels, so while he's a preteen s era like kid, and Empire Strikes Back, okay, I think that's what people thought they were going to see. Yes, yes. No matter how you feel or what a fucking edgelord you are. I don't think that you can, what, what interesting is there to watch in a movie about a villain? Like, I don't want to watch a TV series about a villain. Like one of the greatest things about the Mandalorian is how it's slowly evolved from being about him being a bounty hunter to him being almost like a space ranger in some ways. Yeah. Like him and his team are these, especially once he like sort of like he falls in love with Grogu and becomes his father in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It's about righting wrongs and administering justice in a galaxy and not about getting bounties and the bounties just become this way that he gets himself paid occasionally in order to finance him doing the other things. Like Mm -hmm. the only reason he gets collects the bounty in the six episode of book of Boba Fett is to get the information he needs to find his Mandalorian covert that's like hiding out now in the bowels of this floating right. like Vespin type space city. Mm-hmm. 
but that's not what the Mandalorian is going to be going forward. It's not going to be about collecting bounties and hunting down people and being cold blooded. I mean, that's the evolution. And the book of Boba Fett is not a TV show about it's, it's a supplemental piece to build this universe of the Mandalorian while telling basically the song of this man that's been right a central figure and making him where it can be palatable to have him exist in the universe and make sense that Dingerin because Dingerin doesn't want to work with um the other Mandalorians because they're bloodthirsty. Right. He's opposed to their methods. He's opposed to the scorched earth, you know murder right. everybody. What 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 what's um Starbucks name? Oh, I can't. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember her name. Like right her now, and, her and Sasha Banks. Like right, those yes. characters, like are they're the opposite of what Mandalore, the Mandalore that he holds in his heart, because he's not even from Mandalore. He's just some orphan from a planet that got rescued by Mandalorian. Bogaton. That's her name. yeah, Bogaton. Mm-hmm. And that's Boba Fett too. Boba Fett's a guy who is a clone of this bounty hunter. <clears throat> who was cloned to be every fucking trooper in the clone universe. <clears throat> I mean, he's a payment, you know, basically for this guy like doing this job and all of them have no connection to family and they're building connections to the point where when, when you see the entire, and I'm, it, it really is upsetting. We, we've talked about this, I think all fair that um you can't have Cara Dune in this universe because that was another great character. Yeah. But Fennec Shad and you know um Cobb Vanth and Boba Fett and the mod bikers and the big Wookiee and Grogu and Amy Sedaris mechanically mm-hmm, yeah. like when you have all these people gathering together to go to Mandalore to reclaim Mandalore and make it their home because I think that's the ultimate payoff to the, the series is yes. that it's going to be one of the greatest culminations of a story set in this universe that I think maybe better than any of the like movie stuff because it'll be so much more personal and we'll have watched it happen from, you know, him tracking a guy across this like frozen waste of this outer rim planet to him becoming you know, I mean I don't know if it's it's Dingerin that claims the throne of the of Mandalore or who it is, but it still is going to be an epic moment (laughs) when it happens. And it'll be about the fact that it's not so much the armor you wear and the, you know, your lineage. It's, it's how you live your life and having a coat. It's almost going to be like the Knights of the round table in a lot of ways. It's these people (laughs) that share this common code that are about opposing, you know, oppression and, um, whatever. I mean, it's going to be, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's going to be really good. And I'm really excited to see how they play it out over the course of however many seasons, you know, we're going to watch this happen. Agreed. And you brought up the idea of like the briefly the name of the show. And it's like, I've thought about this a lot. It's like, why is it called the book about Fett? Well, I mean, the way that the the term book is being used is just like it is in religion, you know, you know, and 
it's like so it shows you that it's like not only a historical account but usually there is a lesson that to be learned inside of it and it is the book of boba fett because there's a lesson to be learned and what is the lesson to be learned it's what i just laid out like 15 10 15 minutes ago and what it is is the jedis are toxic the mandalorians are toxic they have these rules they have these things you have to abide by and life is much more gray than that and you can find a ethical and secular way to live a life and not have to rely on these ideas of you know having your identity formed by this group mentality and you can form your own circles you can form your own clans your own like you know code in some way and like boba fett is to me like you know what he did is like basically he's like ironically it's much more like christ-like um (laughs) but takes in these disparate broken right people like into like his clan and like that's the whole point is that like you you build family out of those that are you know loyal to you and you are loyal to them like you know it doesn't have to be about like where you came from necessarily and that's certainly the story of the mandalorian and groku and thematically those two episodes as much as people bitch about it being the mandalorian season three fit in thematically with that entire story i am never going to say that there's not a strategic plan to fit those two things in both commercially so that people watch the book of boba fett hear the pipe if they haven't watched it and start watching it and also get maybe favreau wants to get to a point where he just wants them riding around in that plane together and get through the whole separation bit so that Mandalorian season three starts with the two of them together again. Um, I won't argue that. Like, I think there's like strategy involved as well, but it still fits in thematically. And the people that can't understand that, I, I think there's people that can understand it, and I think there's people that don't want to understand it because they want to partly like you said they want to see this like you said you don't know where the story is if it's like the if he if he's the boba fett between whatever rebels and empire or something like like what's the story of a villain i think there's a lot of people's drawn to the idea of a villain i mean there's a lot of people that misinterpreted the joker when it came out like you know a few years ago and it's like i I think there's a lot of people that want to watch a villain be badass and like do things not the joker was badass but um but it's like they just want to watch a villain do things and like this is just a story of a guy that's like middle-aged and re-examining his life and realizing there's a better way to do things and I, that's the story like you know i mean I, i'm fine with people right, not no. liking it like that that's fine but if you dislike it for reasons that you're too dull to understand or that you're misinterpreting purposely eh, that's um that's pretty lame but 
anyway, I'm really looking forward to Groku wielding that dark saber at some point in the next um, five years of my life if I live that long. So yeah, you say that. I don't think that's what happens. But you don't think so? No, I I think that. Oh, it's... oh, oh, it might be him ultimately. Don't worry. I think at some point Groku is going to fucking pick up the dark saber and wield yeah, the motherfucker. <laughs> Like, I don't care if he wields it by the end of the series or anything like that. I just think there's going to be a moment much like, um, because look, the whole thing is Lone Wolf and Cub to some degree, right? Like, you know, there's going to be a moment where he picks up his father's sword and fends people off. And it's going, I I am completely here for that. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I think that might happen. And that would be pretty badass. Yeah. Just like the fucking Lone Wolf and Cub thing, that's the moment I think I probably mark out the most for in this entire series is fucking struggling ass Luke trying to figure out how to be like a teacher and not knowing what to do with Groku and his attachment issues and finally deciding to make him choose between the fucking armor and the lightsaber as a callback to the lone wolf and cub between the sword and the ball is maybe my biggest mark out like in this entire series (laughs) fantastic and the fact that favreau wrote like almost all of these episodes and doesn't have co-writing credits like i don't think favreau's a dick i think if he had a team or co-writers he would definitely give him credit but um fact that favreau wrote all this like i'm really excited for favreau to be the the voice of this new star wars universe agreed i don't know i just so the one last thing i want to say before we whatever because i really did enjoy it and i thought it was really good yeah i thought some of the dialogue was a little clunky at times but i found that true for marvel stuff disney stuff whatever like i, I kind of find that true for television in general yeah so i think sometimes you have to get a point across really fast just to advance the scene and it just kind of comes out a certain way um like i always thought i i thought the whole book of boba fett thing was more just about closing this chapter but leaving like other chapters mm. unwritten so that you get you know it's not like a it's not an end to his character. It's a continuation of his character from a different starting point, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, all the complaints I hear are the same exact complaints. And I think they're really shallow complaints. And to your point, I think it's because people had a certain idea of what they were going to see. And when it wasn't number one, when they had to follow multiple timelines, I think people got really annoyed who's this you know fat dumpy dude wearing like dangar underpants like flopping around the desert like people don't want to see that they don't want to see this guy that's like a hero kind of like laid low but i mean it's what makes his rise back that much more yes interesting and enjoyable and i don't know i there was never an episode of this series that i thought was bad Mm-hmm. And I thought that it got better with every episode yes. as it went on. And six, seven, five, six, and seven, I thought were among my favorite things that I've seen in this Mandalorian universe. And it's a supplemental show to the Mandalorian. I mean, that's what people want to see is Mandalorian season three. Right. And this is your stopgap between that and next year to sure. still get stories, you know, about the Mandalorian. And yeah, 
and and this and well, this and Kenobi, right? And I I don't know. And then Mandalorian, I think, is later this year. And then I think uh, I think Asaka like is after that. Like, um, but it's like, look, the Mandalorian is going to be in that fucking show too. Like when she's going after Thrawn, like he's going to show up at some point. Like he. Like him and Groku are the core. Like, look, Baby Yoda is the marketing tool for this entire thing. Like, from just from a marketing standpoint, it's like, but like thematically, like the Mandalorian is the thing that like connects like all of these shows together. Like he, like that character and 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 Groku are, are the universe. Um, he's going to be in every single one for the first season at least. Like, and I. I don't know. Maybe I was confused. I I figured the book of Boba Fett would be getting a season two. It's going to, I think. I, I mean, I haven't heard that officially, but it's like you know, uh, it, it has been announced. But um, what I'm worried about is like Disney, the way that they overreacted to the Last Jedi, you know, situation and how all that changed. I'm worried that, like, you know, they're going to hear this negative criticism of it and they're going to end up, like, not getting a season two. I always thought this was building towards continuing the story of Boba Fett for a couple more seasons, at least. Like, you know, of, like, what happens now that he's a crime lord, you know, and how do you run ethically as a crime lord, you know, as as sitting in the seat of Jabba the Hutt how do you do this in some sort of ethical way? And I figure that's why Cobb Vanth, uh, you know, is being regenerated at the end is because he's a marshal. This is a crime Lord. And I thought that they were probably going to do some things where it's like those ethics clash in some ways um, in continuing seasons. And so maybe I'm just really confused about like what the intent of this was, but I thought it was going to be go for multiple seasons. And I was really kind of excited the idea that it would, um, cause you could flesh out Fennec more and Boba Fett's thought process more and the Wookiee bounty hunter more. And those characters that obviously like the one female out of the Lucas, American graffiti biker gang in it, like, you know, um, like has some kind of connection to Fennec, uh, you know, to where it's like Fennec was going to train her to be an assassin. Like, I, 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 I figured the way that they were setting it up is like there would be f- future seasons. And I was, I was pretty interested in like where that would go, minus now the Mandalorian, because he's off doing his own thing with Grogu. Right. Like, you know, I mean, I thought it was more about establishing the universe with a little bit of Mandalorian tie in that worked in my point of view and then moving forward. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I really, I loved it. Um, I loved the first two seasons of Mandalorian. I love this and I'm excited for what they're doing on television. Me too. Very much. So I'm really looking forward to, um, Obi-Wan now. Yeah, I am too. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited that you and McGregor coming back for that. So, um, all right. Talked about that much longer than the 15 minutes I thought we would. Um, <laughs> all right. I know you got to get up early. Um, so oh, it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> Just <laughs> saying. Okay. You have come on. You've done this to 
you've done this before where you're like, I don't care. Um, oh, what was this, that episode? I want to say that was like the night we talked about Scream like last fall. And I can't remember the specifics of it, but you're like, oh, I don't have to get it. And like you were like, we got off and you're like, I'm so tired. I have to get up in like four hours or something. <laughs> Trying to be hard for the podcast. Um, what do you got? You got it. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, are you energized working this late? Because I slept all late this morning. So I don't know. I mean, that's I what that's I find fine. hilarious about you is that like you consider like what time did you get up to go in at 10? Eight, eight, eight. I watched, eight. I watched it. I watched a movie for the podcast this morning <laughs> before work. Yeah. Well, I went to bed and then I woke up and then I went to bed and then I woke up and then I was like, fuck it. I might as well watch a movie. So I watched a movie for the podcast and made myself breakfast. And you know, went to work and worked, and now I'm I just not think working. it's hilarious that it's like <laughs> that eight o'clock to you is like you know like sleeping in, like uh, it's not my life at all. So it's like always really funny to me to hear like the, that different perspectives. Like the thing is, is I can't go to sleep anyway because they still haven't sent me all the information I need to tell them what to do for the rest of the night so i gotta stay up until they do that shit so what yeah what anybody else gonna do it <laughs> um look i'm just gonna leave whenever i want tomorrow too so fuck it i mean okay all right that's that's when i start to get tired i'm gonna be local i'm really tired i'm going home and they can kiss my ass since nobody else has to sacrifice so it's uh, um reminds me of that line from like Glengarry Glenn Ross, like a man is his job or whatever, like ugh. Um, which is some sometimes the most of the time so true, but it's like ugh. Um when we finish the podcast, I'm gonna go plug my laptop in and do a couple of things while I'm talking to you. <laughs> Before I go outside and smoke, and then I'm probably going to get something to drink, and then I'll go to bed whenever. All right. Okay. Yeah, you're going to live your life. Um, it's my best life. Looking Ricky Roma over here. All right. So, God, you're going to write card me on this. So next week is. I already figured out what porn. I'm watching. It's fine. Uh, you ain't torture. You ain't getting it. No. Nope. Oh, you found a loophole? No, there's no loophole. It's terrible. I don't want to watch it, but... Oh, okay. I'm not going to subject anybody else to it either. Oh. But I found it. Frank. Okay. Um, You don't deserve it. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, you understand that I probably would have, like, I would have... Ed, I'm sure, is an awful movie. I would not have reacted as poorly to Ed as you. I can like comedy because you're a terrible person. (laughs) Right. Yes. 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 But you would not. So you, I don't know. I don't think you would have found Go. So go fucking watch it then. Nope. Whatever. See, you got to make me. 
I'm Maybe. in the middle of Frankenhooker right now. Let I don't make alone. trash. I burn it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening, everybody. And thank you for all the new listeners maybe in the downloads um i was going to do that friday but i'll do it at the beginning of the podcast that's pretty awesome it is we appreciate you yes all right have a good week everybody